Welcome back to the Ultimate Playlist Podcast, full of choice tracks. I'm Damon. I'm Brandon. I'm Dietrich. And I'm Taj. Montage. <laughs> Come on, yeah, Taj. Right, Montage. Uh, yeah, so let's forget about that for a second. Um, this is side A of the record. And okay. so this is where, so we're going to pick a topic, um, and we're all going to, we're all going to basically go over our choice track, our, our pick for our favorite choice track, right? Ah, oh, so hard. There's so many songs out there, so many good bands. Uh, I've seen tons of them live and, now I'm subjecting all of you to my my picks, my choices. So this this episode, I have um, before I before I go over this, Taj dropped the deal. Yes. Okay. Now we got that out of the way. Um, so I I I basically I I don't know I don't know I don't know how I'm coming up with themes anymore because there's so many, but there are so many different situations where you can pick your choice track, right? And there's so many, so many songs that you, um, would call your choice track. And then maybe the next day, uh, not so great, but this kind of, this kind of goes along with that one hit wonder, right? So I, uh, I didn't know what to pick for my one hit wonder. Um, lots of, lots of songs that are one hit wonders. You, you think that the, the whole, the whole album's going to be like great, right? And then you, and then you go back to it, and you're like, "Oh, wow, that was the only song that was good." Surprised the shit out of you. Um, oh, excuse me, I swore, but uh, that's right. So this, uh, this, this band that I picked um, went in Rome. They're not really. It's not really a band that I, I, I didn't even know who the hell they were, but. When I went, when I was going back and looking at like songs that I liked from the eighties, this is probably, I think the eighties had a lot of one hit wonders. Um, their song, The Promise. I think when I, when I heard it in the movie Napoleon Dynamite and, you know, probably a million other things. This is from 87. Um, yeah, they don't really have a whole lot of hits when in Rome. There's probably some stuff that people like, but this is like, this is their big song, right? And they're kind of, they're a new wave band. Um, I kind of go back to the 80s a lot for new wave. That's, you know, that's the, that's the era for that. And yeah, so this is a band that Clive Farrington was the, uh, he was the vocalist for. I guess they, they got, they, didn't really have a whole lot of equipment or like, you know, probably a lot of money for production. I think they recorded this like in at one of their houses or something like that. But yeah, so this is like, this is, this is a song that I love hearing on the radio. I saw it in Napoleon Dynamite. thought it was great as the end scene for that. Um, and I thought, wow, they have to have more hits. They have, there has to be something else, but I like the rest with one hit wonders, I don't know about you guys, but when I when I hear a really good song, and then I'm like, oh, who the hell is that band that seems that I thought it was another band, and then it turns out it's a band I've never heard of, and then I listen to the album, I'm like, oh, okay, this is why this is their one hit. But what do you all think of uh, of of this song by When in Rome, The Promise? I was just curious to know what you guys thought and your ideas on one hit wonders. Uh, yeah, 
Oh, you mean the Oneaters? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so I remember this song. I remember it from back in the 80s. I remember not remembering who the band was. I just remember the song being played on the radio. And I also remember thinking, what are you promising? And then I started listening to the lyrics and, and going into it. I promise you. It's like, it's like, okay. I, I got that little feeling from it. So I'm not even tripping. Um, I thought it would have been in more movies. Um, than, than it was. I thought it would have been like one of those hidden gems that you would have found in like 25 different movie sets. I didn't really see too many. Um, if y'all found a couple, that's cool. But as far as I'm concerned, like there's a reason why, you know, they were a one hit wonder. Um, I love one hit wonders in general for, for the longevity of the song in order to transcend like different, uh, generations to come through. This is one of those that didn't really hold up too well. Um, but like you said, when it came out of Napoleon Dynamite, it was like, it, it, it fit the movie because the movie was just off to begin with. So it was kind of there for a reason and it made sense. Um, I'm cool with it. it. Would I play it again? Probably at an 80s party if I'm DJing that. Um, I'll throw it in once, but I'm not going to put it in like a rotation type situation. But yeah, I definitely right. like the sound of it. So. All right. What do you think? Sam? Yeah. Oh, gosh. No, no, no. Oh, I mean, I'll hey. go. Okay. Yeah. Hey. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so when you told us what the, the song was and, uh, and the name of the artist, it did not actually like click what that song was. Um, cause I didn't, I never knew the name of the band and I never knew that knew the name of the song. So when it started playing, I'm like, Oh yeah, I remember this song. Yeah. This, uh, this played constantly on the radio in the like late eighties and early nineties, as far as I remember. Um, right. yeah. You know, I, I don't even associate it with any movie. Um, you know, I've seen Napoleon Dynamite once and I don't remember it. So my, <sighs> my, my memories. Yeah. W- that, that might be a, you whole might not another. like that movie though. Cause that was, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a fan of the film. I haven't revisited it. Maybe uh, I might like uh, it more, but. It's one of those kind of things where like people tell you how great it is and then you go watch it and you're like, that's it. Anyway, um, Pedro, come on, man. So, but we're not here to dissect why I don't like Napoleon Dynamite. We're here to dissect Damon's choice. Um, but yeah, the song is okay. The song's fine. Like I don't have, I don't have any, uh, ill will towards the artist or the song. Um, Again, like, yeah, I totally understand it's a one-hit wonder because I don't know anything else that they ever did. Um, and again, I didn't know who they were to begin with. I just remember the song on the radio a lot. Exactly. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, the song was okay. Like, I don't love it, but I don't hate it. It's, 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 it's pleasing. Um, and definitely just brings back more memories of sitting around listening to the radio late at night especially like on Friday, Saturday nights for hours. Uh, and then like, you know, requesting that they like you call in and request a song and they never play the song that you wanted them to. So, um, yeah, but I can tell you uh, this, that me back in the late eighties would never have requested it. One, because I don't know the name of the artist and two, I didn't know <laughs> the name of the song. So, yeah, you know, yeah. but, um, and just really quick, you kind of said something about like, how do you guys feel about one hit wonders? 
Um, <laughs> and I will say, like something I was that I was kind of thinking was, would you prefer not to ever have a one hit wonder and 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 not be famous, you know, or is it would you prefer to at least have something that everybody else knows? You know what I mean? Like, like you got the bands who have been around for a long time and they got the hits, you know, and then then you got the bands who don't have the hits, but they have notoriety and they have their fan base, you know, like they're a cult band in a way, you know, or would you prefer to be, you know, or would you prefer to be that band who had the one hit and then, you know, they disbanded a few years later because they just never had any, um, you know, any, any, uh, popularity you know except for that one hit you know would you be would you accept being a one-hit wonder or would you rather just you know be around for a long time and just play the clubs and you have your fan base wow that's tough i think that i would hate to be like disbanded after the one-hit wonder that would be awful when i hear when i hear oh that that song was from a band that was that like this was their only hit it blows my mind. Like I was saying, like I usually think it's like a band that's well known that has more hits that did the song. Like I thought this was like simple minds or something when I heard the song and like, Oh, they must be like a little bit better. Right. And I think they even have kind of like, they didn't have like a ton of hits, but yeah, they had more hits than one. But uh, yeah, I think I'd want to at least play club still. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know? like you, you okay. have a hundred million hits on one song or you have, you know, a hundred thousand hits on on multiple songs. Like, the, well, what would you prefer? Oh, of, of course. If I was a musician, I'd want to have all the hits. I mean, I'd want to be like, you know, you two or something. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, like you, know you I mean? have you're known for one song and that's it, and you you know you you spend the rest of your career in you know obscurity, like. <laughs> Or, or closing out every song set with with that one song. <laughs> You're like, yeah. You play everything else you want, but you have to close with the same song every time. And that happens yeah. too. It's like I've I've been to some events that had like bands at them because it you know that's what they do every year, right? And uh, yeah, it doesn't always it doesn't always bode well for the band. I mean, it looks like they're a one hit wonder and they're having fun with it, but you know, they're coming back for their reunion after 20, 30 years, you know, dusting off the guitars. <laughs> yeah. And this, and this is one of those bands like, yeah, they're definitely one hit wonder. I don't know how many songs they have where they could have that, you know, reunion tour or, or yeah, even play or even exactly. play a few casinos, you know? Right. So. I mean, the, so this was a single, and it was released as that, and it was released on multiple, like, I think there was, like, a lot of different things that it was released for right at once, and it was such a good song that, like, everybody wanted it at the time, but they just didn't, like, I think I was reading that they even did, like, recordings in somebody's shed in the backyard or something, like, you know, it's kind of hardcore, like, that's cool, I have much respect for all that, you know? I think that yeah. you know you want to you want to do something that you feel passionate about, and you can actually pull off a hit like that. That's awesome. What I don't get is how do bands pull off one hit, and then they don't have any more hits. Like, how do you you found that drive to make that song that's so awesome that everyone everybody wants to hear it? You know it's good, but right. you can't replicate that in some way. 
because you have a style, right? Like, doesn't the Dane have a style? Well, I thought what I always heard is that, like, that first album, like, that's material you've been working on for like 10 years, right? Or or longer, right? And, And, you know, the, when the, you know, when you hit the, the the fame, you know, and then they want you to push out a second one, like you, it took, you spent more time percolating over that one song that became the hit that you can't crank out the next one <laughs> that quick, but maybe I'm wrong, you know, it, cause I thought it was just like a timing issue. Like it, t- it took so long to create the one hit that, you know, it wasn't cost effective to, to, to not cost effective, but, but like you didn't have the time to create the second. In a sense, but yeah, um, two things. One, yeah. yeah, one, it's uh, it's a whole lot easier to be a one-hit wonder as a solo artist than it is as a band. Um, you know, you can you can ride that one song forever and a day. Um, like look at Young MC, Bust a Move. You've heard that in so many commercials. You've heard that all the way around. It's literally his one single that he's lived off of for 20, 30 years. Um, for the fact of the situation. So, um, so much easier to be that than it is to be in a band and have that one hit that, that took you over somewhere. And the next thing you know, you're, you're playing in back end clubs and, 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 you know, dive bars and so, so to speak. Um, or you're just not playing at all. You've broken up and gone on to do different things. One's a construction worker, one's a teacher, all that sort of things. But really and truly in my, what I've experienced and what I've come across is just studying, you know, music theory and how everything works. If you have a hit, it's two things. It's either A, your label is pushing it as a hit, so they're promoting it through all of the radio waves and all of the digital downloads and the whole nine, or B, it's off of just flat-out dumb luck that somebody liked the song, um, let a couple of other people hear the song, the song pops off, and then you're going in the whirlwind, which is the limelight. So now you've got major eyes on you and your next move is what am I going to do? Well, your label is going to promote the shit out of that song. So they're going to keep on putting money behind it. They're going to put you on tour. They're going to do all this stuff. You got all this other music, but unless you put out another single, that's going to equate to that. You're not really focused on that. You're focused on the song that's right now. Try to ride the wave as much as possible. You're doing interviews. You're going to, to different radio slots. You probably got 30 different radio slots that you got to do within a week. You've got um, commercials that have come up. Probably. Then you're going to be selling the rights to it or you probably like lease the rights to it in that type of situation. But you know, you're basically building off of that repertoire. Now the issue comes in, when do you have time to record? Mm-hmm. And when you do record, do you have the freedom to record what you want to or do you have a label slash A&R slash songwriter crew slash all these other individuals coming in trying to make you another hit versus you writing it on your own? When you release a song and it becomes a hit and you actually put in the work on it, that's the easiest and best time to be an artist. Because as soon as you get noticed for it, as soon as any notoriety comes from it, that's when you're caught in a wave and that's when you kind of disappear. So to speak, um, you know, there's so many bands that are out right now that all there are literally is one song away from 
TikTok or or any other kind of media situation. If they vote, somebody has a funny video and puts in that song for IG, you know, they could get 300,000 looks within an hour. You know, that song is being promoted. Next thing you know, they they got them at the MTV Awards promoting that song. Or they could have won a, a actual uh, a reward for that song, but then you never hear from that artist again. Mainly because they're here today, gone today, if they don't have that longevity behind them. Okay. That makes sense. It sucks. It really does suck because you're putting your life and your blood into everything, trying to trying to make it into business only for the business to like basically pimp you out all because <laughs> of a hit thing. Wow. Yeah. So it's like it's, the record label is the deciding factor. Sometimes who you go with, who you have backing you. What you, you have a that contract. That's what that's what states it. What's in the contract? What control do you have versus what did you give up in the process? And if you don't have any control over anything, you know, you're basically running through the system. So they're using you. They use you for your one hit and then they move. Of course. On. Of course. And Ouch. if you happen to produce two or three or four or, or seven, you know, more power to you. But your contract dictates what you can put out versus what you can. And there's so many albums that get shelved because they do listening groups. They do um, fillers out. They have like um, album release parties and the whole nine. And it's not even really an album release party. They're just throwing this music in the background to see if any of these songs pick up. And if nobody at the label likes those songs or nobody thinks that those songs are going to make money, they're not going to put any more money behind that shit. You got to pay back what you already owe from the advance. So you're, you're on stuck. I got gotcha. you. It's a brutal, brutal system, man. Like being a being an artist is not easy. Wow. No. Sucks. So, uh, I was. So I was it, go ahead. Oh, I I was just gonna say that it, it, I I recognized the song when it when it played, um, but uh, yeah, it was it was a good pick for for this for sure. So yeah. Yeah, no, it's recognizable. I mean, it's it's not just from Napoleon Dynamite. I mean, I've heard it on the radio a lot. I've heard it in clubs. We used to have a place called Polyesters here in Austin, uh, Texas here. And that was like, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s. I mean, it was kind of like a dive. I guess it turned into like a dive after a while. But they had a big dance floor and they were playing lots of 80s music. And uh, yeah, you could hear that every weekend. I remember polyesters. That was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Hell, they're just high back then. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah. And, that, and so, like, that's, like, for people that haven't been to Austin, Texas, that's, like, a, what they call a warehouse district, which is probably different now. But it, it's it was the trendy area where there was, like, an Alamo draft house, which is now in many states, not just Austin, Texas. But, yeah, so... Um. Yeah, that's that's that was where I heard that a lot, and uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Who would have known? But uh, yeah. So Taj, Taj, what did you have for your pick? I was just just curious what you picked. <laughs> what, I'm gonna, what pick, I'm gonna pick on you first. Yeah. Okay. So okay, when I heard the assignment, I was trying to. Um, it took me a while to try and figure out a, a good way to do it. So, um, I was. So I originally went looking at, at like early fifties, late fifties, 
And because there is so many one hit wonders from the 50s, but then I couldn't find, I found one or two, uh, but I couldn't find the song that I really liked. The the other thing was like, there's some one hit wonders back from the 50s that were like, kind of like, um, they did a cover, like their one hit was a cover of somebody else's song, but that was their one hit, right? And it just kind of felt weird to, to do a cover, especially when it was a cover of a song that just released like two years before it. And you're like, well, why not just do the original song? Um, so I uh, jumped to current and I listened to some lists and all this. And so what I settled on is uh, the song Sugar Sugar by the Archies. <laughs> Sugar. So uh, it's iconic. Like, you know that song once it comes on, you know, it's you know, instantly recognizable. I did not realize that because I, I just went down the rabbit hole and like I did not realize that it was basically because well, you had British, uh, you had the Beatles. And so then you had the monkeys and because the monkeys turned out, OK, somebody got the bright idea. Let's take the characters from Archie's comic and create a band called the Archies. <laughs> and that is the actual song. So the, the actual band members are actually all the characters from Archie's comics. Like there is no artist listed on it, like other than the, the actual characters from the comic that, that formed the band. And, um, so, it, and their big hit was Sugar Sugar. So, um, and so, it, yeah, I just thought it, I didn't realize that. Like, I read the title and then, like, all the, the album covers showed the, the characters from the comic book. And I thought it was, like, just a synergy cross-promotion thing. But, yeah, no, they were they were totally trying to sell it that the actual characters were the band members. You're like, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> so, but, yeah. So. That's yeah, that's something. That is definitely right? something. Wow. <laughs> they weren't really a, they were like kind of like a short-lived band right did they, yeah, they, they come back at all then they do some recent stuff maybe well th- i think there's there's the new uh riverdale tv show but i'm not sure if they've done albums as it as a re-release no, it seems, yeah seems like they might have like that was their heyday but yeah like you know just looking at the band it's like it's kind of like it it looks like that era of the monkeys and all that and it's got that fun vibe to it right but yeah that i know that song i don't know the archies <laughs> <laughs> i know archie's comics and that's funny that they're based on that that's really cool but that's kind of like it's uh it sounds very similar to like the monkeys had cartoons and then you have like scooby-doo and they had like music going on like that was a big thing that back then i think to to have music connected to like cartoons. So that's kind of so, cool. Yeah. yeah. It looks like they did like five albums. Um, so, and so, but this was off of their first album. But yeah. Wow. Five albums. <laughs> that's yeah. a lot more than I would have thought. Right. Impressive. So, All right. but, but this was by far their, their biggest hit. So, uh, bubblegum pop is how they're kind of, that's the that's the that's the main genre that they fit. They're poppy, poppy rock, right? Pop. 
it, it yeah. does feel like bubblegum pop, but it's, yeah. I mean, that song's cool. I mean, I mean just so everybody, you know, nowadays can understand, basically, it's the kids' pop version of the 60s. Uh, <laughs> basically, except it's not a cover song, it's just like original, original song. So, what is kids' pop? Is that a new. You don't know what kids' pop is? Uh, you gotta, you gotta educate me. Uh, kids' pop is uh, think like Disney push out kids singing artists, but they just do covers of all the current songs, but take off out all the curse words. So they re they do the like a, a cover of any popular song that's popular now, but make it kid friendly. So oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Like, an example, they took Little Nas X's Montero and made it on Kiss Bop. And it's like, <laughs> how? <laughs> you, know, you know which one they took? They took uh, uh, they took Lizzo's um, one Lizzo songs, right? N- none of her songs have clean lyrics, but they took a Lizzo song, right? And so I'm there with my daughter sing Lizzo at ACL and she's singing along to the song because she knows it from Kids Pop and you're like um, yeah I, I don't think you should be singing the song <laughs> so but yeah well to be fair you took her to the show so. I did yeah. true true <laughs> to be fair and that was a huge crowd so yeah what way to better educate your kids than through <laughs> music right right <laughs> Um, yeah, Sugar Sugar was definitely one of those uh, cheesy bop songs. It's got a nice little vibe roll to it. Dun 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 dun. Like, okay, I, I can yeah. hear it. I'm, I'm good with it. And then you start thinking it back, and it's like, yeah, why didn't I hear more from this band? It's like, oh. And then you start listening to the albums, like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I can see somebody sampling them or, or taking a song and revamping it. Like that would be cool, but for the way that it is and what's going on with it, like yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of like you. I'm perplexed how they got five albums out of that, but I'm not tripping. It is what it is. <sighs> yeah, and for me, the the song's fine. It's good. I've heard it, you know, many many times. Um, you know. TV, movies, radio, what have you. Uh, right. definitely, definitely when you hear the song, it definitely does fit that late sixties, you know, air or early seventies. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if it c- could potentially have been a monkey song, you know, for sure. Um, and, and, right like, yeah. and, and it totally makes sense. Like, well, okay. I never heard of the Archies and I didn't know anything about the Archies until you told me about it. Um, and it, it, it just kind of baffles me, blows my mind that, that, that was a thing. Uh, you know, but yeah, I mean, that, that's interesting. And yeah, it is shocking that there were five albums. It seems like, like just your description and the name of the song, it should have been like a tie in to like a, a serial, you know, like, right. like, Get to see this, uh, you know, vinyl of the Archies singing Sugar Sugar, brought to you by Honey Smack Cereal or something. Yes. You know, Frosted Flakes for definitely right, right, field, right, you know? right, exactly. You, you know, Tony the Tiger remaking the song, and it would have been great. Right, right, right. Yeah. And, and the song right. called Sugar Sugar would have been perfect. Um, so, 
So it's yeah, it's really shocking to me that yeah, there were five albums because this seems like a one and done type of thing, you know. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean the the song is is definitely catchy and it's it's pop sugary, you know, perfection. Um, so sugary, uh, I get it. Um, anyway, yeah, no, the song the song is great. Uh, it's fun. I I mean, do I love the song? No, but what's to hate you know it's just it's just fun to listen to right you know yeah let's point out even on um like wikipedia they'll show the past members right they have a fictional section and then an actual (laughs) so you get all the archie comics characters and then they even kind of point out well this one was only on riverdale so right so was it archie that sang the song like the character of Archie. So it says vocals were Archie, Betty, and Veronica. So okay. Jughead was on drums, and then <laughs> Reggie was on bass. Okay. <laughs> so. Was Archie playing guitar? Yeah, Archie okay. was playing guitar. Betty was percussions, which probably means a tambourine, and then Veronica was on keyboards. <laughs> I wonder, like, if they're real musicians, <laughs> like, I, were the real musicians like this is bullshit, you know, <laughs> like. Like, dude, you signed the contract. Just do it. Yeah. So, and it says on the production, it was like studio musicians were assembled by so and so. Like they, they they were they were signed into a contract. They were yeah. The guys like come in. You're singing the song. Who, who are we? You're just singing the song. Like, oh, I don't right? want to be singing the song. <laughs> I, would, I would have. <laughs> I would have liked to see at least one of them be like, "Fuck this," and go off and do their own thing, and then you know become like huge. Was there a solo artist? Was there a manager like Huckleberry Hound or something? <laughs> you know, we can't get the live action Colonel. Uh, let's get Huckleberry Hound. <laughs> That might be why they were like a one hit because they they were like so pigeonholed into this whole Archie comics thing that like yeah they I feel couldn't like do anything else. You can't really take it that far, you know. Like like you can't keep doing the Archies for another fifty sixty years. I just as a band, I just don't think it would happen. Right. So. Yeah, they were they were someone else's design. I mean, the band was like they were like made for this shit. Like they they probably handpicked everybody for it because of the way they looked, and then they you know just hey, they're collecting checks. At the end of the day, you know you're you're collecting a check and you're being told, oh yeah, we're gonna make you superstars. All right, cool, I'm a superstar. Uh, now this is where the original musicians didn't read the contract that their actual paycheck went to Archie and to Jughead. And, you know, like, <laughs> look, they probably got free Archie comics for life. Yeah. Oh, man, I love Archie. This is a great deal. Let's do it. Yep. Two years later. Oh, fuck. That <laughs> was it. Working at Burger King. All right. Oh, damn it. Can't have it your way. Ugh. Crazy. <sighs> yeah, buddy. Well, uh, Brandon. Yes. All right. So my pick came from a band that was formed in 1993. They broke up, I think, by 2009. This song was actually released on their debut album from 1997. 
And uh, the album was called Where Have All the Merrymakers Gone? Uh, the song is from the band Harvey Danger. And the song is called Flagpole Sitta. Um, I hope I said it right. I double-checked the uh, pronunciation on the internet. Um, I may have said it wrong, but anyway. Um, sounds, sounds right. I think it's right. I think so. I think, I think it's right. So, the uh, yeah, the song came out on their debut album from 1997. It was released as a single in 98, and I think that's where the song took off, is when it was released as a single. And I feel like that song was used everywhere in so much media. I think my introduction to the song was from the uh, trailer to a 1998 movie called Disturbing Behavior. And it was also on the soundtrack as well. Um, and I think that's where I was introduced to the song. I, maybe it was on the radio, but it was very prominent in, in the trailer and, and the soundtrack. And um, I, I fell in love with the song right away. It's uh, this alternative rock song. Uh, kind of a power pop, post punk song. Um, I just I enjoy the the energy. I I think it's fun. This is definitely a one hit wonder. They never had anything as commercially successful as this song. Um, I think I read that it peaked on the Billboard's Hot 100 at 38, but was like number three on the Modern Rock charts. What I found really interesting, you know, doing a little, you know, deep dive is that on Rolling Stone's top 100 songs or, or top 90 songs, this was listed as number 25. I thought like I was one of the few people that actually liked the song. So I was not I was shocked that it was like critically received, like critically well received uh, when it came out. And to see like it's number 25 of 90 songs on Rolling Stone, that's crazy. But, you know. It makes me feel better about my taste. Um, so yeah, I I just I've always liked the song. I like the I like the lyrics. I like the energy. I, I like the tempo and how it changes. Um, I this is a song that when it plays, I sing along to it. You know, like I just I love the lyrics. I like how weird and strange it is. Um, yeah, this is a song that I'll never I will never like skip if it comes on the radio. Uh, I just, and, and whenever this song comes on the radio, it just makes me happy. And maybe it just makes me feel like I did when I first heard it. Um, this is, like I said, definitely a one hit wonder, but, um, yeah, there's a lot of songs that I could have picked from. Uh, but this, this is definitely, it's, it's right up there. I still like it. I don't ever get sick of it. It's just, it's just a very entertaining song. And, uh, that's my choice. Yeah, that's a great song. I I really surprised that Harvey Danger didn't have more um, hits. They, they kind of reminded me of the Pixies a little bit around that time, um, and I, that was one of my picks from another uh, episode here on uh, Choice Tracks. But uh, yeah, so yeah, I'm really surprised. I love that song. I hear it a lot. Like I hear it a lot on like uh, Sirius Radio. Like just, like I think it's. Um, uh, very poppy pop rock, but it's like that, that era, there was a lot of cool movies coming out that like fit the same, the same kind of like mood. And, uh, so it must've been in movies, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. It's been used like in a lot, lot of movies. movies. A lot of movies. Yeah. Yeah, they probably still get their royal royalty checks off of that, I'm sure. I hope. Yeah, and it was used uh, used uh as a opening opening credit scene or opening credits for the show from the BBC called Peep Show from season two on. That was oh, okay. the, the theme song. Yeah. Haven't heard that of that one. I'll have to check that out too. Um That's just a great because show. you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm just really surprised. Like, like again, going back to those, like, okay, I thought that they would have had more hits. When you, it's always so surprising. First, first, who the band is? Harvey Danger is not. That name isn't. That's more familiar than some of the other picks that we've got here. So, when in Rome, who the fuck's when in Rome, right? Um, sounds great to me, but like, who's that band? But like, Harvey Danger is. I think he's kind of well known. If you if you listen to the right kind of music and that's your thing, but um, yeah, wow, that's that's definitely a good pick. I think that I'd like to hear more from Harvey Danger and just to, just to kind of see what he's got out there. But um, and it also fits your style too, Brandon. Definitely a good yeah. pick, and I think it's like it's right up your alley as far as like your your type of music too. But uh, yeah, I like that a lot. Nice. Um, so I was surprised. So I, I had heard the song, I'd listened to it. And then like, I was reading up on it while you, you were talking about here. I thought it was an older song for some reason. I thought, uh, it, for some reason, it, <laughs> the, the, the emotion I get from it, maybe I'm, I'm wrong, but it feels like it's a, um, like it's a post Vietnam song, like coming back from Vietnam. I don't know why. Don't ask me. My brain goes weird places. I don't know about that old, but it, at this point, Taj, it is an older song. Wasn't it, wasn't it in the soundtrack to Forrest Gump when he was in Vietnam? <laughs> Did they have a time machine? Time. They had a time machine. Okay. Oh, i so horny. <laughs> Put it back there, pull a metal jacket, man. Yeah, let's do it. Right. So, yeah, no, but... Yeah, no, it, for sure. I, I enjoyed the song. I like listening to it. It, it does, um, for me, it, it kind of has that feel of, 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 um, it, of, you know, seventies, seventies rock. But I mean, that, that's the, the motion I get off of it. I like it. So nice. Yeah. I definitely don't get the seventies rock vibe. I get more of the late nineties punk vibe or like the yeah. kind of like, grunge post they're they're considered like pop and grunge but they're to me they're kind of like the the 2000s punk i i get the post-punk vibes uh i definitely like the song i've definitely listened to it several times over um i was kind of surprised that this was a one-hit wonder listening to to the albums and such but i i could i could see where you know not every song is for everybody type vibe whereas this one was just kind of like jumped off the charts so um i get it um i really had no problems with it at all i actually loved it i think that was a, a great little perk up um especially from the other songs that were chosen and and what came into the mix um yeah i, I forgot about that all together so when you actually said that that was your pick i was like oh shit yeah one two three no. yeah that was, <laughs> worked in i was like okay i'm good not mad okay. nice man man 
All right. So what did what do you have, Dietrich? What was your what was your pick? I'm curious to know what you thought. Oh, What's a one hit wonder? Little old me? Oh wow, that's my turn. Okay. Yeah. Well, I actually went opposite of the group. Um, everybody picked a band that they went through with their one hit wonder. I actually picked the solo artist. Um, I picked this artist because whenever we came up with the topic, this was the first thing that came to my mind. Literally because it's still getting played today, which surprises the hell out of me. It sounds like twenty years old in, in some factions. So or actually older than that a little bit. So but what I'm talking about here is a um is a uh what would you call him? Uh British artist um by the name of uh Mark Morrison and the song I picked was Return of the Mac. <laughs> Which is uh, basically one of those club songs that you can't get past. Um, it's got a good little vibe to it. His singing on top of it was kind of crazy, but it worked out because he stayed within the, the binds of the track. And um, basically, it's about you know his uh, girl cheating on him, lying to him. Uh, you break it up with her, and it's return of the Mac. Now you see how he's back out here in the game, and he's about to about to get it in. And and uh, it's a, it's a real good prep song for whenever you like get dressed and getting ready to go out. You just broke up with your girlfriend, so you feel like everything is free. Like I'm, I'm finally released the ball and chain. Here we go, let's get it. And uh, yeah, you throw on that thirty five dollar cologne, and you feel like you're the best thing in the world. Um, <laughs> but notably, I picked the song because he has literally rolled this song to death into the ground, resurrected up back up again, done several remixes of the song with different artists and um, still playing in commercials and, and things of that nature. So he's all over the place with the damn track. And if you listen to the album, there is not another good song on the album at all like this this was the quintessential hit that either he wrote somebody else wrote whatever type of vibe it was all those other songs that sam trying to you know portray that kind of kind of um uh character so to speak but it, nothing hits like this song so this was the one the quintessential hit that like yeah took over the airways for a whole little minute so what i want to hear what y'all got to say about that one I'm surprised that Death Row Records were so that was there was like three labels, right? And then Death Row Records, that's Dr. Dre. Am I right about that? I was Dr. Dre and uh, and uh, Suge Knight. So yeah. they they picked him up for a little bit, and they gave him a chance to kind of shine. But I mean, that's that's cool. I think that yeah, wow. This reminds me of uh, I kind of think of you know back in the '90s. Um, it's got that vibe. Like, I think, you know, my wife's from Long Island and this is kind of like, I think this is one of her, she said this is one of their favorite songs to listen to back then. It was like, you know, it's a big hit in New York city and like on the radio in general, but yeah, that's definitely got a good vibe, but I, I'm yeah. Again, surprised that I didn't, I didn't know really who Mark Morrison was until, you know, your pick. Right. But, um, yeah, this song, this this definitely like you would think you would have more than one hit, but this it always blows my mind. These one hit wonders, and that's why they're so interesting too, because you, it gives you a chance to go into the artists a little bit and see what they're about. But yeah, so okay, so, yeah, 
in, 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 I'm, <laughs> okay. So th- this is kind of going to go on a weird tangent. <laughs> it's like, it, I mean, I, so first of all, I, I did like the song. It, it was perfect, uh, for this. Um, yeah, I, I had heard the song before. Um, what I'm curious on is like for, for the one hit, uh, for, for the one hit, cause like what I'm curious on is like, cause our, our lizard's brains, you know, make weird association with stuff. So that's why I'm curious. Like, is this song as big of a hit because of Mac the Knife by Frank Sinatra? Like, is it just a weird thing where like people can't Mac the Knife and then return at the back? Like, it's a weird thing that my brain just kind of ties the two together. And you're like, you know, like I didn't compl- I don't know. That's a weird thing, but I wonder if, like, using word symmetry or something that's similar to an, another popular song kind of makes it popular, <laughs> or is that just a weird thing to mention? Uh, it's not a weird thing to mention. I mean, those who have that that Frank or not Frank Sinatra uh, discography in their head or or any kind of situation knows the cadence of where it's coming from. But in actuality, the song itself is just catchy as fuck. Like it's you really can't get past it because one for one, his voice is unique. And that faction is something that you don't really hear a lot of people saying. For two, the lyrics are so obscure in, in what he's talking about. There's certain parts where it makes sense. There's other parts where it's kind of like, what in the world is he talking about? And then the <laughs> beat itself, the instrumental itself, you don't have to have the lyrics on top of that. But the instrumental and the hook, if you just put those two together, it's an automatic blast, no matter what you say. You can literally say the alphabet as the verse. And that hook and that track are gonna carry within themselves. So that that in itself is gonna be its own little mind game that you gotta go through. But just for the fact, like I said, I've heard uh, twenty different remixes of the song. I've heard four different iterations where somebody else was trying to rebake or cover the track. Um, just the sample of the track itself has been all over the place. And like I said, his voice is like. It's, it's unique within its own, its own right. So, um, gotcha. when I thought about one hit wonders, like I could not get past that song being played in every damn club that I go into. Even now I'll throw it in my own mix and, and we'll be good to go. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. So I hear. Yeah. And, and I totally dig the song. I, I remember when it first came out and, you know, I, I, you hear it here and there, uh, especially on like Sirius XM, um, brought to you by Sirius XM. Um, but yeah, no, I, I totally dig the song. You know, I didn't know the name of the artist, but I, I definitely know the song itself. I've heard it many, many times. It's, it's interesting now listening to the song because I, like, I started confusing my brain because I'm like, uh, I finally, years back, I finally saw the movie The Mac from 1973 and i love that movie right and and so when i like when you mentioned this i'm like oh i wonder if this is connected to return like to the mac this return of the mac song right but i'm like but that can't be possible because the song came out in what 96 and the movie's from 73 so yeah. then i started thinking i'm like was there a sequel to the Mac that I don't know about? And, you know, so then I do this like deep dive. And I'm like, Oh, there wasn't. And I got really disappointed and really sad. And then, and then I start thinking, man, we need a sequel to the Mac and we should call it return of the Mac. 
and we should use Return of the Mac in that movie. And that's where my brain went. And uh, anyway, it's a great one-hit wonder. Uh, it's a great song. And uh, and definitely, if you think of the Mac as the character from the 73 version, it's a very different song. Yeah. So, you know, like it kind of means the same thing. But not at the same time. Like if it was Return of the Mac, but you go for the '73 version, then he's a a pimp. Uh, so so then Return of the Pimp is what I think of now when I hear the song from 1996. <laughs> and it, it makes the song even better if you think of it as him as a pimp. Um, anyway, uh, I digress. Uh, the song is great. Um, let's get on that sequel to the Mac and we already got the title and we got the song return of the Mac. Uh, we'll bring back another one. We'll bring back the one hit wonder. Maybe we can get Mark Morrison. That's his name, right? To, uh, to write some more songs. Um, as long as they're all about Mackin. Yeah. He don't write any more songs. He, he got a bunch of those and they still didn't pop off. What he needs to do is just keep on riding the wave on this one, throw it off in the movie and you're good to go. That's, that's so. It. So it's so weird that the song, I think the song is great. I enjoy the song, but my brain immediately went to the movie and now I just want to watch the movie. So thank the song for making me want to watch the Mac. And then it started making me think we need a really good restoration of the Mac and the Criterion Collection or somebody needs to release that. Uh, so I'll, uh, I'll see what I can do. Anyway, good choice. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, you guys, you guys went down the rabbit hole with Return of the Mac. That all I thought was, wow, that was a good song in the nineties. No, it's just it was my brain, my brain making all these weird connections. I like it. I like the web of uh, obscurity. And Please, and and do watch the Mac. The Mac is a very very fun movie. The best thing I got out of that was watch the Mac. I'm ready to watch the match. <laughs> I'm assuming that uh, you guys so, haven't seen it. I love so, that. Okay. So then after, after that, should I see Mac and me? <laughs> Bro. <laughs> if it was the Mac and me, then yeah. <laughs> totally, now, now I'm thinking about a the Mac and me movie. About a, a pimp and his alien. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> right? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I think this is a good time to, to transition over to the second half of our Whoa. episode. Because <laughs> it's a podcast. It, if you see back at me, it, they hold up their hands like a little cup and run their hand whistles. <laughs> That's, that's what you're doing what's, what's sad is like all the things in my life that I know and I don't know, the fact that I still remember them holding their hands and back at me is really, really frightening. So You're going to have to post a clip on the website for sure. So our fans can really appreciate. And don't, they, don't they go, oh. Right. They're but doing. they're whistling. They're supposedly whistling. With like, yeah. <laughs> so we went from Return of the Mac to the Mac to the Mac and Me. Exactly. And also, Mac, the Mac and Me has nothing to do with Return of the Mac. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
the song is right. better than that movie. Okay, <laughs> we. I think we definitely. I think we definitely hit the end of side A. Let's definitely. <laughs> let's flip the record and uh, drop that needle on side B. <laughs> okay, so side B of this episode is uh, my choice album. So I'm going to go into um, an album that I, that was near and dear to me, and it still is. Uh, this is this is uh, yeah this is an album I picked up in the early '90s. The band is iconic. I mean, so I don't always my choice album isn't always going to be something that everybody's heard of, but once in a while I'm going to hit that right. So, um, and I I'm assuming that everybody here has heard of Pearl Jam, but the album is uh, ten. Um, so my first CD. And probably one of my first uh, favorite albums that I really got into outside of stuff that my dad gave me on record uh, or vinyl. And yeah, my, it's funny, my dad actually got it. My, my dad has passed away since, but he got into this album after moving to Texas. It was one of his favorite like new albums to listen to. And I was like, wow, that's that's pretty cool. And it was funny to hear that he liked it because it was like one of the themes that growing up, that was my big influence on music and Outside of like stuff from like the seventies and eighties, this is like ninety two is when ten came out. Um, so very very iconic band, very iconic album. I don't I don't necessarily want to go into like huge bands when I when I choose my choice album because I want to cho- I want to choose something that like is up and coming or something that you might not have heard of. But this is something that I you know I just had I just had to hit this at one point and you know. Waited about 20, 20 episodes, but, uh, um, so this is a band that most of the members from actually came from a, another band called Mother Love Bone. And Mother Love Bone is a band that was also late eighties, early nineties, short lived. Um, so you have a few, uh, members, Stone Gossard. Um, I believe it's, Greg Gilmore and um, I'm trying to go back. There's so many, so many different players in this, but Eddie Vedder is the the lead singer of Pearl Jam. And he, so he started this band with Stone Gossard, um, Jeff Ament, Mike McCready and Matt Cameron, which I think that's, that was the original lineup. Um, no, no, that's the that's the lineup now. I'm sorry. There's a there's a lot of changing parts here, but the original lineup did change up a bit, and so a few of the few of the members from uh, Mother Love Bone did come over. The lead singer from Mother Love Bone did pass away, so that was actually unfortunate. But uh, there's a lot of hist- I think there's a lot of like a lot of interesting pieces with their their songs that they they did on 10 one of them might be one of y'all's favorite pick but so jeremy was a song that was um based on a school in dallas and one of my friends was actually at that school when a school shooting happened it wasn't a school shooting that you think of this is a situation where um somebody took their own life so Apparently, yeah, that that's kind of how that started. But one of my friends went to that school. I thought that was kind of like a crazy, 
crazy story from them, but the band, the band uh, Pearl Jam is a Seattle band. This is something that um, was a big influence on me in the nineties. And today I think it was uh, Soundgarden that started Temple of the Dog after, I want to say it was after 10 came out. They did a collaboration um, with Eddie Vedder and uh, the folks from Soundgarden and Pearl Jam. So they, they had they had a thing going there. It was a one album uh, collaboration. Really good, really good stuff. I could go on and on about this, but I'm really interested to know what you all think about Pearl Jam's 10, what you think of the band. What you think of the Seattle scene in the, in the early '90s? How that's influenced music today? How it influenced you? Um, yeah, like I said, this is kind of near and dear to me, and uh, I get I get a little bit flustered thinking about it. You know, it's just you know, a lot of a lot of memories and feelings with this album. So, uh, what do y'all think? Any order, you guys go ahead. All right, so um, I'll go. Because I'll I'll go since I'm not trying. So I'll be honest. I never really listened to a Pearl Jam album before. Like I, you know, I probably I know for sure I've heard some of the the songs before. Like they pop up in you know in um, in playlists and stuff. Uh, Alive was the one that I knew the most, um, which I'm surprised because I know. It was mentioned earlier that, that Jeremy was the signal, but I know Alive better, way better than Jeremy. Um, and so it, kind of my choice pick would be uh, either Alive or or Black. Um, kind of the first half of the album is, is the, the part that I like the more. Uh, maybe I just need to listen to the rest better. Uh, Garden was, it was interesting on the latter half. Um, so I think part of why I didn't listen to Pearl Jam <laughs> when I was growing up, so it, I admit my taste when I was a kid in high school was very limited. Um, Pearl Jam, it, and it's weird. They, they, it just feels like every time when I was a kid in high school, everybody was always trying to say, "This is going to be the next. This band is bigger than the Beatles, or this is going to be the next band bigger than the Beatles." Right? And Pearl Jam, I feel like I felt like that was mentioned several times when they were first round. Uh, and, and they're like, oh, this is the next big band. And it, it kind of feels like everybody stopped trying to, to do that. Everybody stopped trying to say, you know, this band will be bigger than the Beatles. And they're just letting the bands be themselves. Uh, but that was part of what, what threw me off. The, the other thing that uh, that I remember the name Pearl Jam for the most is <laughs> uh, the movie House Guest. <laughs> because there's a line in there where... Uh, Sinbad <laughs> tells the kids like, "Hey, in, in all the books, there's Pearl Jam tickets, and all the kids go running out the auditorium to go to the books to get Pearl Jam tickets." And so, uh, uh, but that's yeah, that's a weird thing to remember. But yeah, that, that's the <laughs> right. But <laughs> I haven't thought about that movie in a long time. Right. Bill Hartman and and Sinbad. Exactly. So. <laughs> But yeah, so but uh, yeah, it, it that that was that was my take on the album. I did enjoy it. I did like listening to it. Um, wasn't fully my cup of tea, but, but I did enjoy the the tracks on it. So yeah, interesting. Yeah, uh, uh, that would be probably the last thing that I would relate it to is that. 
but uh i mean that's cool if it's not your cup of tea that's not your cup of tea it's 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 to me it's just it basically is the epitome of like seattle grunge rock early 90s they were right there with a lot of these other bands that started this this uh movement and whether y'all agree with me or not that's fine but uh stone gossard is excellent uh i think that uh oh, just the musicians you know back then they they started a new a new wave and i you know there's 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 probably a lot of opinions out there about eddie vetter his style of singing um there's a lot of albums that i i, I think this is, this is definitely the opposite of a one-hit wonder of course every album they came out with to me is good um there's a there's so many hits and they even did uh they did uh into the wild as a soundtrack for a movie i thought that was great they did that made that just for that movie um maybe i'll spotlight that in another episode but uh yeah so anyway i'm gonna stop talking (laughs) who who wants to go next oh i can i can go um all right so you know, I, I think we definitely listened to some very similar mu- music, especially in the 90s. Um, I think you probably get that that vibe when we're talking, especially like during yeah. the, the Offspring, art, uh, Offspring episode. Um, and I definitely did. I, I did listen to Pearl Jam, but I wasn't in the Pearl Jam as much as some other friends of mine. I never actually went out of my way to buy 10 when it came out. That doesn't mean that I didn't listen to it. Um, it, my friend owned it. And so I would go over to my friend's place and we would listen to the Pearl Jam CD over at his place, but I never actually got a copy of it myself. Um, I was more a sound garden guy and I was more into STP. Uh, for those who don't know, STP is Stone Temple Pilots. You know, I, I liked Alice in Chains. Um, you know, Nirvana, those were the sounds that I liked even more than Pearl Jam, but it wasn't that I disliked Pearl Jam, you know? I think it might have been also because I didn't have money and I was cheap, and you just go over to your friend's place and listen to it for free. Um, right. Plus, you know, the, the Jeremy music video was on constant rotation on MTV, and so, you know, I definitely... That was also a, a huge introduction to the to Pearl Jam because that Jeremy music video was like nonstop. I don't know which was the first single, but when I think of Pearl Jam, I think of Jeremy right away as like my real introduction to the band. Um, so anyway, um, I, I've never I've never had anything against Pearl Jam. You know, I don't really own too much from them. Um, I do have like their greatest hits. Uh, which is like, I, it's something like a rear view mirror. I can't remember the name of the album. Um, and, and I actually really like some solo work by Eddie Vedder. Um, you mentioned into the wild, which was solo work by Eddie Vedder. I love that soundtrack. Um, and I love that movie. Um, and I love his ukulele song at songs album, I think is, is phenomenal. Um, so I am an, I definitely like Eddie Vedder. Um, so yeah, listening to the album again, I, you know, I, I don't, I didn't remember like some of the album as much as I did back in the day, you know, like 
all the songs up through Jeremy, I knew. I knew very well. Like, I knew those songs by heart. Not necessarily the lyrics, but I remember the music, you know? When you get past Jeremy, I don't remember those songs that much. Like, I don't think they're as strong. But, like, I, I would make an argument that every song um, up through Jeremy are all good songs. Um, the last few albums, a few songs are okay. But the those, like I said, I, and that's, like, that's a huge amount, right? Like, we're talking, like, six, seven songs on ten. So I'm kind of like, okay, not as great um one two three four five six yeah jeremy is up through six and then there's only like five more after that and i'm not saying that those songs are bad i just think through jeremy that's where it like really hits its mark and then kind of you know loses its luster a little bit but again pearl jam is pearl jam pearl jam is great there's a reason why pearl jam is still going you think of all those bands from from that scene, and how many are left? You know, like Pearl Jam's still here; they're still going, and they got a huge fan base. You know, I kind of mentioned before. Again, here I am talking a lot. I apologize. Um, Good. We we kind of talked about it before. Like I mentioned it before about the one hit wonders, right? Like one hit wonders. Like, do you want to be that band that has the one hit and then f- that fades away? Do you you know do you do you want to be that band that has notoriety and has a following but never has a big hit pearl jam is both you know pearl jam has a big following you know and like they may not have big hits anymore but they still have a huge fan base i mean i remember back in like the late 90s early 2000s they're releasing cds of every single concert that that they had like they were releasing CDs for every every like tour date. Who does that? That means that you have a huge fan base. Um, right. Anyway, all right. I'm I'm talking a lot. Uh, I just I just want to say. Yeah, I like to hear it, man. Yeah, I, I I do really like the album. I really still do. I still really enjoy it, and I I don't dislike the songs after Jeremy. I just think that those first six songs are strong. They're all very strong. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. You know. Uh, and, and I just, I, I want to give you a little shit really quick. I just want to give you a little shit because you kind of <laughs> mentioned this already. Okay. You give me shit about <laughs> Nick Cave, Nick Cave's voice. And yet here you are defending Eddie Vedder and his voice. Right. Good point. Is weird. <laughs> like is strange. Right. It is and, weird. Right. But that's and, why it's so appealing though. I, I actually know a couple people who hate Pearl Jam and Eddie Vedder because they can't stand their voice, his voice. And and you're like defending Eddie Vedder, but talking shit about Nick Cave. I mean, <laughs> come on. But I don't hate Eddie Vedder's voice, probably because I like Nick Cave. And so it's shocking that you don't like Nick Cave's voice, but you can sit here and be like, I love Eddie Vedder's voice. It's so weird to me. But uh, so, yeah, yeah. OK. And then really quick, my choice tracks. Uh, uh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be that guy. Because, you know, it's such a huge hit and I don't want to take it away from somebody else. But, uh, my, my favorite is probably Jeremy, man. I just, I have a connection to that song. I think of the music video and I love that song, but I also really love Black as well. Um, and I, and I love Alive as well. I hate the fact that I like it because it's such a big hit, but it's a hit for a reason. 
Um, but Jeremy is definitely my favorite song on there. And, uh, yeah, no, dude, I, I, I see where you're coming from. I'm with you on this. I think it's great. It still holds up today. Uh, it definitely brings back memories. And, uh, I had not heard this song or this album from beginning to end in a long time. And, and it was, it was good to return to revisit and brought back some memories of my friends from the nineties. And it made me very nostalgic. So, yeah, no, that's, and that's, yeah, you're right. We did, we did share, we do share a lot of favorites from the nineties in that time. It's funny, funny that you say that Jeremy was your favorite. That's probably my least favorite. I mean, I, I, I don't think it's a bad song, but it's not my favorite song on the album. My, my, I guess, I guess I didn't say my choice tracks because I like the whole album. Um, and it's more, it, part of it is because it's a nostalgia thing. Part of it's because I had never heard music like this until I heard this. My sister bought me this album. I didn't buy it myself. It was a gift. And then I just was like, my, you know, my, uh, I guess my mind was blown. I was opened up to this new genre, this Seattle, so-called Seattle grunge. And it, you know, it definitely is the epitome of like that, that scene, I think. Um, and there's a lot of good albums out there and good musicians that fit that bill. So that's, you know, this is, this is definitely for me, it was a gateway to that. But, um, even flow definitely uh, because of how it picks up. And it just, I like the fast pace and I love the, the instrumental. The instrumental in a lot of these songs is really where it's at. Um, no matter what song it is, like even Jeremy, it's like, you know, just, just the beat the you know, the rhythm, everything that they, you know, behind the vocals. And I, I wouldn't say that Eddie Vedder is good or bad. As far as a vocalist goes, I think he's really good. I think he, he has a range. He can change his styles, you know, like into the wild is different than even, you know, any of this stuff. Like 10 is 10 is their introductory album for sure. Um, but yeah, so uh, why go is probably my second second favorite, but yeah, the whole the whole album is great. Why go is phenomenal though. That's just uh, I love I love singing along to it. There's some like there's this the lyrics you know it's almost like they're they're rapping in a way like they're going so fast, but um, yeah. So thoughts, you know? Uh, Dietrich needs to go. No, I don't need to go. I mean, I've, I've already <laughs> said, expressed, you know, what my, my situation was when before we even got off the last, or when we got off the last podcast, I already said what it was. My favorite song on this album was Jeremy. Yes, I love Alive. Yes, I love Wigo. Yes, I love Black. I love Porch. You know, the album itself is, is a good fundamental album for that grunge sound that came out. Is it the epitome? That's what we can argue at because I would go Nirvana all day. But that's a different situation within itself. What I will say is based on this album alone, you got the depth of the songwriting. You got the depth of the the guitar licks and and the change ups and and the mood and and the swings that you pulled out of it. There's an emotional connection here with this album. I I do kind of agree that, you know, the first half, one through six, it'll pretty much cut it. You know, Porch and, and, and 
and and things of that nature. Like those those songs definitely have a place in my heart. But when it comes down to it, it's going to be nothing but Jeremy. And, and the reason why is because one, I'm from Dallas. You know, I'm, I know the Richardson area where where that whole thing took place and heard about it. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to get into the specifics of it, but I definitely know and understand where that's coming from. Second thing is about suicide. You know, we've talked about that before. Mental health is the number one thing that you got to be taken care of. Yeah, your physical health is definitely one you got to do, but your mental health, you know, speaks volumes of, of who you are and what you deal with on an everyday basis. And the fact that they touched that within the song and, and, and kind of flowed with everything that was going on at that time is like, yeah, that's phenomenal. And third and foremost, just the way that the track laid down, just the way that the, the, the guitar licks laid down, just the way the, the acoustic sound in the background, even going into the main chorus of the licks, like everything laid in place and it fit on point and i like done too and, and all you know there's the whole album itself is a great album but for me my choice track is definitely going to be jeremy not even because of the radio play um, that it got and the music video and how it attached to everybody's brain so much so with me just sitting up in a room playing that song over and over and over again i have phenomenally have a contact or attachment to that song so yeah that was it Nice, yeah, yeah. The drums, the drums, the guitar, everything's really good on this. I, I, I that's like I was saying, like the the background instrumental part of this album, I think, is like a big draw for me. Um, and then just how it all comes together, and Eddie Vedder's voice is perfect for it. I mean, yeah, it couldn't picture anybody else singing for Pearl Jam. <laughs> yeah, and it, and I guess Brandon, to your point, like, um, yeah, like why would I? like a band when I, you know, like I might say this person's voice um, might not sound good for whatever band, you know what I mean? But, and that's true. It, it, I guess like it's, it, it's all in how you perceive music, how you perceive, you know, a style, what's good for you. It's all, it's all about your choice, right? Like that's, it really is up to the you know the person listening to it to really critique and say this is good or bad. But um, yeah, I have you know I have like I have thought like maybe that you know some of their stuff was like a little bit overboard or whatever. But um, yeah, no, it's like it's it's ten is like definitely more of a nostalgia uh, piece for me. The band and like overall is just great to me. Um, I saw them once live at ACL and that was, they did a lot of, they, they had the, an anniversary tour, I believe. So they were doing like a lot of their stuff from 10 and to hear all the stuff like live was awesome. Um, I was too young to be out there going to shows when they were like in their heyday, the early nineties. I would have loved to have been able to do that. And he's like crowd surfing, diving into, you know, diving into the crowds from like balconies, whatever, you know, like some crazy shit. But, um, that that's that's what I remember from high school. That's what I remember from you know growing up. That that style. So, but yeah, all right. Thanks for sharing, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, uh, before we we uh, pick up that needle, Taj, do you have some homework for us? Yes. Yeah, I do have some some homework for you. Uh, let me. Okay, so. Um, I'm doing 
an album that was released in uh, 2017. So um, it's a band um, that, you know, because I, I try and search and keep up with new music, not necessarily because the, the kids, but just to keep current with stuff. Uh, and, you know, just to, to try different things. Um, I'm trying not to be a, a grumpy old person that just like, I only like <laughs> the music of when I grew up, but I know at some point it, it'll happen and I won't like the, the current generation music, but I'm going to try and stave it off as long as I can. Uh, so I, I, um, the band that I like in this album, like I listened to it and when I first heard it, like I instantly liked it. So, um, but the band that I'm picking is the Chainsmokers and the album is Memories Do Not Open. So from 2017. Okay. Okay. I think, I think I've heard of them. You think you've heard of them? Okay. I think so. Once or twice. <laughs> Once or twice, yeah. <laughs> so probably, uh, yes. Yeah. So this, the, yeah, they're they're the big hit that came off of this one was Paris. Was there? Wait, probably what was the name of the album again? Memories do not open. Okay. Has three three has three ellipses there. So if you want me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so. All right. Yeah. All righty. Nice. Okay. So. All right. Well, All so, right. This has been Choice Tracks. You can find this on our website and on our emails of uh, choicetracks.com. Uh, please subscribe to listen to all past and future episodes. And let's go ahead and sign out. I've been Taj. I'm Brandon. I'm Damon. And I'm Dietrich. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're going to pick up the needle, but y'all keep spinning those Choice Tracks. <laughs>